0: Welcome to the J Buck Podcast. Today is Friday, June 5th, 2020. And this morning, as I was doing my chores, I had a lot of thoughts come through my head and I thought, wow, I need to share these. (laughs) So, the thoughts that were running through my mind have to do with the legal decisions that we make in our lives and the moral decisions that we make in our lives. And A lot of the the system we have today in the West is a legal system. I remember when I was in high school, uh, it was, uh, you know, career day or whatever. And so um, someone's dad came in and he, he talked to us about his career as a lawyer. And it was really interesting because he explained how his job was not to do the morally right thing. And he continued to explain how he had a client who was who possessed marijuana and therefore had broken the law and he explained how he had helped him get out free and not have to pay any fine or jail sentence because the officers had searched his car without a warrant and he he wrote it on the board he wrote legal and moral and he said that his job is to do things legally so even though morally he had sinned i guess by having the marijuana according to the law which, of course, that's changing now. People, you know, people's moral beliefs concerning that, that particular drug are changing. But at that time, it was you know, considered a sin to have that drug. And um, and he just said, you know, his job is not to do the morally right thing. His job is to do what's legal. And as a, as a kid, you know, <laughs> high school student just sitting back listening to that, I couldn't help but think, um, how is this going to work? For a society, if we really don't care about what's morally right, what's the purpose of having a law if it doesn't defend what's morally right? I understand that trying to define what's morally right is a very difficult thing to do. And that's why we have local government, because we were never supposed to have a huge central government that told the states what they can and can't do. We have that now because the federal government actually gives money to the states. And so the federal government can say, you have to do what I want or I won't fund you. It's not supposed to be that way. The states were supposed to fund the federal government. Therefore, if the states didn't like what the federal government was doing, they could strong arm the federal government and say, no, you're not. And that was supposed to keep power in the hands of the local cities so that you could say, okay, fine, we believe marijuana is okay to possess in in our area. And the point being that different cities were supposed to have different political ideologies. That's why it was the great American experiment, because we were going to allow people to have the freedom of a republic, where you could nominate people in your own area that could govern your area according to your beliefs. Religious freedom. It always goes back to religious freedom. That's why there's been such a push by the Satanists to take God away from our freedoms. Because ultimately, any law stems from a moral law. It's a moral law before it's a legal law. So, a moral law comes from our belief in God. And now you see why it was so important for America to become the country it is, to give us religious freedom. From our beliefs in God, from our religious beliefs, we develop a moral code. From the moral code, we develop a legal code. Where our jurisdiction can live according to our religious beliefs. That's why we have a republic. That's why we have cities where we, we're supposed to vote for our chief of police. We're supposed to vote for our judges. We're supposed to vote for our school board and our lawyers. <clears throat> and it was supposed to be funded by the people. What do we have now, though? We have the top-down government picking their, their candidates for these positions because they have the most money and power. Again, it was never supposed to be that way. The power and the money was supposed to be at the grassroots level. And that's why we know we have, uh, well, it's we have a government that has too much money. Where did they get all this money? They're stealing it through the Fed printing money. <laughs> so we have a corrupt government system because they're actually stealing money. And every time they print money, even if we don't have inflation where we live, other countries have inflation. Other countries... The, the people are working harder there to make up for us printing our money too much. So we're actually abusing people around the world because we allow the Fed to exist. And several of our early founders tried to destroy, I think Andrew Jackson tried to destroy, I could be wrong on that, but he tried to get rid of the, of the federal bank. And then a federal bank, it just kept reappearing <laughs> and they kept trying to get rid of it. Um, but it's, it's a complete corrupt situation. I do apologize for the noise in the background. I went to take care of that. I just want you to know that I've been trying to make a podcast for two straight days. This is the third day, and I have not found 10 minutes of quiet from 8 in the morning till 1 in the morning. Um, so that's how it is. But I did stop and go see that my kids were fighting over the uh, chair playing lava and not, not stepping on the ground. So we've taken care of that. So now I'll get back to the topic. So I was talking about the federal bank, but I kind of got off topic. So I was trying to to get to the point where it's okay for people to have different religious beliefs. It's okay for people to disagree on what is a correct moral code. That was built into our country. That was how it was supposed to be. They're supposed to be the founding, um the Federalist Papers, uh, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison wrote about this. Like the more factions we have, the more political ideologies and the more groups we have instead of just like a Republican and Democrat group, the better off we are as a country actually. Having a lot of differences in ideology strengthens the country and it allows it so that there's not a monopoly. And so at the local level, we're supposed to disagree on what's morally right and what's morally wrong. And we're supposed to choose as a republic, the definition of a republic is that a group of people um, sustains a person, nominates a person to uh, represent their beliefs and to put their beliefs in place for that local government. And so we can have a discussion on what, what is a moral ideology you should and shouldn't have. And that's going to bring a lot of disagreement and a lot of different ideas to the table. And that's a good thing to do. And that's not what my topic is here. But it's, it's good to think about, you know, what are your moral beliefs? What are the moral beliefs of those around you? What disagreements would you have if you had to come up with a set of moral, moral law? If we didn't have a legal law, but a moral law. What, what, in your opinion, is the morally right thing to do? And then, <laughs> how do you enforce that without um, treading on someone else's rights? What basic rights do everybody does everybody have that your moral code cannot interfere with? See, and when everybody has religious freedom... So, while we can disagree on what moral law is, and while we can't take away other people's religious beliefs... And we really don't have the right to police other people's religious beliefs, which you have to have a conversation on what we're even allowed to enforce if we allow people to uh, have their own religious and moral belief systems. Uh, The point I'm trying to make is that usually society has two types of laws. That could be a society of just even one person or a family or a religion or a group of people. But usually people have a set of moral laws And a set of legal laws. And as we see often, the two don't always go together. And the way I think of that is it's like the brain and the heart. The brain would represent the legal system. And the heart would represent the moral system. And the whole reason why we would have a legal system in the first place is to protect the heart. We want the heart to grow in a safe environment. And that's why we create legal laws, like the speed limit, to protect us so we don't get hurt. So the concept that I want to bring home to talk about is when there is a disagreement or when there is a conflict and you're unable to keep the legal law and the moral law at the same time, what should you do? And the answer may be that it depends on the situation, right? So in the olden days in the law of Moses for example the moral law was do not commit adultery and it used so that would be the legal law you're not supposed to commit adultery well what about in the case of someone getting raped so if a woman was so I I was just learning about this it used to be that When a man and woman were married, according to the law of Moses, that a Levite priest would actually wait outside the house so that when they consummated their marriage, they would bring the sheet out and show the priest because the sheet actually had to have blood on it to signify that she was a virgin. But it was more than that because when the hymen breaks and blood is released from that organ that's got some blood in it, um, it, it makes the marriage a blood covenant, so it seals the, the couple. So, if the girl had been sexually abused, then there would be no blood covenant in that marriage, and that would be a breaking of the law. However, uh, according to the heart, that that girl may have never, um, never desired to commit adultery or fornication. She may have been sexually abused and so in that situation what would happen and we know by sad experience that they had a lot of stone women who had broken the law and it be- and we, we know by sad experience that they would that women who had broken the law right they would be stoned or you know i don't i i didn't live there at that time maybe they would find the perpetrator i don't know what would happen at that point but the legal law was that Death was the, the consequence. And we know, like, in, in our culture, we, we know that's horrible. Like, that's absolutely horrifying that someone who was sexually abused and raped is not guilty of committing adultery. Now, legally, yes, that, that the uh, hymen has been broken and that has been um, that that physical defile, defilement happened physically. But according to the heart of the, the woman... She never broke that commandment in her heart. And so that would be one example of where the legal system, the moral law does not line up with the legal law. And in that situation, most people know the legal law has got to go in the toilet, okay? You can't punish someone for breaking the law of adultery if they were raped. That's completely unfair. Now, I am a Christian, and so my belief in a situation like that is that the atonement of Jesus Christ is the blood spilt that can correct the physical and legal defilement. That Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. Once you're saved through the law, the law is for the wicked. The law is a legal system, okay? When things aren't legally right, someone's got to make it square. Someone's got to bring it into alignment. If you're trying to build a house and the corners don't match, then the house isn't going to work too well. So things do need to be in alignment. But there's some situations where it's impossible for things to be in alignment. You know, we had the same issue with Adam and Eve in the fruit because Eve wanted to have children and she was deceived. She did it out of the order of the patriarchal order, but she was innocent So I don't see that as any different than someone who's a rape victim because it was an innocent thing. It was not on purpose. And yet, because of her, because she took the fruit and then Adam took the fruit, we have the fall of man. We have corrupted DNA. We can't be in God's presence anymore. And so the consequence is actually still there, even though it was done in innocence. And that's where the atonement of Jesus Christ makes it right again. And in our church, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, our second article of faith is very important. And that I don't know that most Christians believe this, but I really believe it strongly that we're not guilty for the transgressions of Adam and Eve. We're guilty of our own transgressions because the atonement, the atonement of Jesus Christ paid for the corruption of the DNA through taking of the fruit. And so if we are corrupt, It's not because of our parents, it's because of our own sins. Because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, we all have the ability to become perfected in Christ. So we're all sinners, because we're all still at that fallen level. And so this is where grace makes up for our innocence. And that's where you begin to see the wisdom of God. That's where you begin to see that this was on purpose. We're here on purpose because we couldn't learn if we didn't have a chance to make mistakes. And there you see a divine wisdom. We're not here because of a mistake. We're actually here on purpose. But the purpose is to have an environment where we're allowed to legally make mistakes so that we can learn and be perfected eventually through Jesus Christ. And if you have anyone... In your life that's a relative, you know that a relationship is something that takes time to foster, develop, and grow. So we can't just come and be perfect overnight and then have our relationship with God exactly what God wants it to be. We have to have time to work it out. If you've got a marriage, you know that you didn't learn everything that there is to learn from being married in one day. It's through the years that you learn so much about marriage. And so you start to see that this, this purpose of why we're here is actually to teach us more things than what we could learn if we were perfect. <laughs> Being in a fallen, corrupted state helps us learn the value of a relationship. Because our relationship is with not only overcoming the flesh and overcoming the desire to sin, but with our Savior, Jesus Christ, who's trying to help us with our relationship with our heavenly father and the system he's given us to help us is he's given us relationships in our everyday life. Hopefully, hopefully we have a mother and father. Hopefully we have a husband or wife. Hopefully we have children. Hopefully we have aunts and uncles and, and through these relationships, even if you're, you're alone and you don't have that, you've got the earth, you've got plants, you've got rocks, you've got animals, the weather, the <laughs> We have a relationship with all these things every single day. Because it's in the relationship that we start to understand this conflict. That there's a time when there's something that's legally right, and there's something that's morally right. And sometimes they conflict. Uh, One of the stories in um, the very first book of Nephi, if you read the Book of Mormon, is about this conflict that he has, you know, Nephi is a very good and upright man. He actually has to, to kill someone for the plates. And it turns out that it actually, some people have argued that it was legal. But the fact is that he didn't want to have to kill that person. And he he had to because the the moral fact of the matter was they needed the scriptures because they were leaving and Jerusalem was about to be uh, taken over by the Syrians. And they needed the scriptures and the, the man would not give them the scriptures. So finally, Nephi found him drunk. The spirit said, you need to kill him, put his clothes on, dress up, pretend to be him, go into his house, get his servant and, and get the scriptures. And with the servant actually ended up going with him and going back to the wilderness where they were traveling and eventually crossed the Atlantic Ocean, came over to America. That's the story of the Book of Mormon. Uh, and so we've got Adam and Eve. We've got this story of Nephi. We've got the story of Abraham, where he was told to sacrifice his son. Wow, that was a huge test between what's legally right and what's morally right. That that was in some, it was not, obviously it's not legally right to kill your child. Um, but Abraham was going to do it because he loved God and was going to do what God asked of him. But then even God stopped him from doing what, what, what and, and so obeying God would have been legally right. So killing his son would have been legally wrong. Obeying God would have been legally right. And for God to come in and to stop him from killing his son was legally right and morally right, wasn't it? And that whole scenario couldn't have happened without Abraham and God being in a relationship together. And so in the con- context of relationship, we're constantly battling this issue of what's morally right and what's legally right. I mean, you know, I love my kids. Should I give them what they want? <sighs> because that's what you feel might be morally right. But legally, maybe they didn't earn it. And so now you decide which which should come first. My child's emotional well-being and the relationship and the feeling of trust and love between us, because the more of those experiences you have, the less chances there's going to be problems in the relationship down the road. Or are you enabling them by giving them something they want they didn't earn? And now you're creating someone who doesn't value the, the ethics and principles of hard work. So it's a balance. Every single day in our lives, we have to balance these difficult principles. And I I wonder if it's a core reason why we have relationships and it's not just between our, our, you know, a parent and child or a a husband and wife, but it's between the government and the people and the citizens, you know, we need, you know, police to protect us. But then again, what, what about when they don't protect us? What, what about when they're not following what's legally right? What if they're breaking? So it's, it, it gets to be a conflict. It's a universal human conflict that we're dealing with. And, We learn so much from these conflicts. It it wasn't just Adam and Eve who were put in a difficult decision of what to do. What's legally right? Oh, Joseph and Mary. There's another example right there. Mary was pregnant and they hadn't consummated their marriage yet. What does Joseph do? Do you do what's legally right and throw her away? Put her away? Or do you do what's morally right, which the angel said to marry her? And he did what was morally right. I I tend to think that it's always best to do what's morally right, but I could be wrong on that. Because then if if you're always doing what's morally right or you care about the emotions, then you might enable someone to do what's wrong. And that's where you have to be able to tell the difference and make a wise decision. So those are the thoughts that are running through my mind. Let me know what your thoughts are. Um, Get on here, record your thoughts, and maybe I'll put out my podcast. Thanks and take care.